What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. And to those greetings to those who are watching us right now live on Twitter. We're recapping the weekend of football, week two NFL, week three college football. And I'm once again, once again, joined by Andrew Stem here, and we are live. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing pretty well, Jack. It was a good weekend of football. Uh, I will admit, as I think we'll, our discussion will show here in a minute, I didn't follow much of the afternoon games uh, in the NFL, but the late window, uh, Derrick Henry and the Titans, and then the Sunday night game last night was thoroughly entertaining, and I, I got I to support the Lions now because uh, I feel like I'm not going to be able to wear this tomorrow. I feel like the Packers <laughs> are going to be in for a pretty big win, but uh, got to show my team pride today while I still can. Yeah, taping this on a Monday morning, September 20th, 2021, Packers and the Lions tonight on Monday Night Football. Uh, Definitely plenty to talk about. However, I also didn't watch too much NFL. And I got to be honest, the thing is, when I'm doing this show and I'm creating content and there's baseball and we're right in the thick of the pennant chase right now, and we only got two weeks left, and then you got football on Saturday and Sunday, like, I just can't devote myself 24-7 to sports all the time. I need to have some kind of like a release. So during the football season, like while this in this little window when we have NFL and uh, and baseball going on at the same time, the NFL is the thing that takes a back seat for me. So it's like, okay, Sunday afternoon, I'm going to watch the Steelers game and I'm going to go over to the beach and get some sun for a couple hours while it's still nice out. Seems like a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't have too much to say on NFL. We'll run through these games. Before we do that, though, just wanted to uh, say if you guys like today's episode of the show, we got a lot coming up uh, over the next week. Also, this past week, I spoke with Paul Oren, uh, your friend and mine, Andrew. We talked. We basically did this thing last week. We recapped week one NFL week two college. And then I talked with Arrestus Destrade, who now does the Rays broadcast. He's been doing them for about 11 years, was formerly on baseball tonight, played in Japan, played on the Marlins. Uh, it was great catching up with him talking baseball. So if you guys missed those episodes, you can go back and check those out. Were you able to catch either of those episodes, Andrew? Uh, I listened to the one with Paul. I actually caught part live uh, scrolling through Facebook and saw you guys were on. So, uh, Tune in and see what he had to say, and uh, Paul is as entertaining as always. Uh, I didn't get to listen to the baseball show yet, but uh, I want to see what Arrestus has to say about the Rays as they, uh, you know, head towards the playoffs. Um, you know, it seems like they're kind of, kind of limping in a little bit. They've, you know, uh, I mean, I guess I can't really comment other than I know they played the Tigers seven times in the last two weeks, and uh, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's the best time of year. The the Cardinals, I know you'll. Probably have that on another show, but the Cardinals put a big statement up on the Padres over the weekend and uh, seem to have sort of kind of nailed down maybe that second wild card spot in the NFL or the MLB National League. <laughs> and uh, I got so much on my mind, I can't even keep my sports straight. And uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to listening to that. But, uh, you know, I have to come on and, and li- I had to listen to Paul and make sure uh, I at least gave you the same kind of quality that he does. <laughs> Yeah, so there won't be a baseball episode this week. I'm flying out to Arizona on Wednesday. So by the way, if there are any listeners in Arizona, I'm going to be at the Friday night Diamondbacks game Saturday. Uh, I actually don't even know what time that game's at. Arizona State Colorado football game on Saturday. So if anyone's around in the area and want to meet up at one of those games, it'd be fun to catch you. I was able to catch up with uh, 
catch one of our Cincinnati listeners when I was in Cincinnati a couple months ago. And so it'd be fun. If anyone's around, hit me up, send me a message on Twitter or tweet or whatever. But uh, yeah, we won't have a baseball episode this week. We did a late week one with Arrestus that can kind of spill into this week. Um, so I'll be out of town. But next week, we'll do another one of these football episodes. And on uh, midweek next week, I'll be talking with Mario Lanza, the uh, esteemed survivor blogger. He's written about SNL and a bunch of TV shows. Um, he's a huge baseball fan. So we've had him on the last couple of years. And this will be our annual conversation. Mario will be here. We'll talk plenty of baseball a week from now. Um, but we have a very, very special episode coming up this week. Uh, that's really a bonus episode of the show. And I taped it uh, a few days ago with a true survivor legend, Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick. And she's also married to Kyle Kendrick, one of the uh, World Series champions on 2008. Philadelphia Phillies, a member of their fantastic pitching rotation. Um, so Steph came on. We talked sports for maybe 20 to 30 minutes. And then we got into her time on the island and talked all things Survivor, talked about her upbringing, her background. Um, and Andrew, I know you used to watch Survivor back in the day. And Stephanie would be, uh, for someone who hasn't really watched Survivor in 10, 15 years, Stephanie would be one of the few people that you would remember all this time, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. remember her season very vividly and uh, looking forward to listening to your conversation when it drops later this week. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. Make sure you guys are all subscribed to the Jack Vita Show and go to my website, jackvita.com and get on the email list. So then whenever I have a podcast or a new post, something I write, something I write, rate, I don't know what I'm talking about, something I write about, um, you get on the email list, you'll know whenever there's new content available. Let's get into our NFL scores for the week. This is week two, and of course, we have our Monday night game tonight with the uh, Packers and the Lions, and that'll be interesting game considering what happened to the Packers last week. Okay, so uh, I don't have my normal note sheet, but I'm going to just do the best I can here. So uh, my Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost a game, could not come back. Uh, home game to the Las Vegas Raiders, 26-17. Carolina with an impressive victory over the New Orleans Saints, 26-7. They win that game at home. Uh, the Bears had a nice bounce back week after their disappointing week one showing against the L.A. Rams. This week, they win at home 20-17. to Cincinnati Bengals uh, are the losers of that game. But we got to see former Bengals quarterback in there quite a bit, Andy Dalton. And we also got to see a good amount of Justin Fields in that game as well. The Cleveland Browns get pick up their first victory of the season. They beat the Houston Texans at home 31-21. The Rams and the Rams on top of the Colts 27-24. We've got Denver uh, 23-13 over Jacksonville. Buffalo Bills absolutely routed the Miami Dolphins. And Tua Tungavailoa got hurt early in that game. That's concerning for the Dolphins. 35 nothing was the score of that, that one. Uh, Zach Wilson threw four interceptions against the New England Patriots. Patriots win that game 25-6 to six in New York or New Jersey or wherever it is that they're playing these days. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, uh, kind of a low-scoring game uh, battle in Philly, win that game 17-11. Uh, shootout in the desert of Arizona as the Cardinals come out on top 34-33 over the Minnesota Vikings. 
Tampa Bay Bucks, not much to say. As expected, blow out the Atlanta Falcons at home in Tampa, 48-25. Dallas Cowboys with a late drive from Dak Prescott. Um, long field goal, 57-yard kick from Greg Zerline. They win that game over the L.A. Chargers, 20-17. to And then, of course, the Tennessee and Seattle game, really maybe the best game of the day. Uh, Tennessee wins that game 33-30 after coming back in the second half. They were down, I think, two touchdowns at one point. Um, and, of course, there was a very strange uh, call at the end of that game, which we'll probably mention here. And then, uh, so that's 33-30, Tennessee over Seattle. And then last night's Sunday night game, the Baltimore Ravens, 36-35 on top of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Andrew, I think we kind of stumbled into a new segment last week when Paul and I were talking. Paul and I were talking about, are we sure Carson Wentz is still good? Are we sure Hard Knocks is still good? And I think this could be a theme for today's episode. Are we sure they're good? <laughs> Works for me, man. They're, I was thinking about that, especially when we get to college football. There are, yeah, especially uh, college. There, there's, 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 there's one team I'm certain is good. There's one team I'm pretty certain is good. And then there are like 127 that I have no idea about, really. So. <laughs> yeah. So where, where would you like to start with the NFL? What stuck out to you yesterday? I mean, really kind of the last two games that sort of finished up, I feel like. Yeah, the last two you mentioned, uh, Seattle and Tennessee and uh, Baltimore and Kansas City. Um, you know, the, the Sunday night game was thoroughly entertaining. The Ravens scoring a couple of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. And, uh, you know, big Clyde uh, Hilaire had, or Edwards Hilaire fumble. Uh, and then John Harbaugh uh, going for it on fourth and one in his own 43 to keep the ball. I think, you know, the Chiefs use their timeouts. They're looking to get the ball back. And uh, instead on fourth and one, known 43, it decides to go for pick up the first down and salts the game away. Um, you know, it was a really entertaining game between, you know, two of the teams that we thought really were going to be kind of the class of the AFC again. And uh, it didn't disappoint. No. I, I know. I know you're I know you're a Steelers guy. I know you're a Steelers guy, but uh uh, Ravens look good, man. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it seemed like they had it salted away up 11, 35, 24 going into the fourth quarter. Then the Ravens get that touchdown. Uh, Chiefs don't score a big fumble. Ravens score or Ravens score again, big fumble. Austin So I was watching the Sunday night baseball game and I wasn't actually watching Sunday night football. Uh, cause that was a big game for the Phillies last night, of course. And I just was kind of getting the updates on Twitter and seeing the score of the game. And I saw Baltimore was trailing and I was like, this is going to be so fun. I can hop on tomorrow and say Baltimore's 0-2. Are we sure Baltimore's good? No, Baltimore is good. Um, That Titans game, Titans-Seahawks, that was one of the... So one of the main things that I think one of my main things from this weekend is you hate to see it, but I feel like officiating and NFL league rules are once again kind of being scrutinized a little bit. And... For me, I, I really do not like these new taunting penalties. There were a couple early in the first five, ten minutes of the Bears game where it just looked like guys kind of jawing at each other. Nothing else. It wasn't like, you know, nanana boo-boo. Or, I guess I don't even know what that what was said, obviously. But I just it's I think it's really strange that the NFL is making a big this such a big priority. And I think when you're forcing officials to monitor something such as that, 
Now that's that makes their jobs harder. Then there's one more thing that they have to watch for, and then you might see a little bit of a decline in the quality of the officiating for the rest of the game. And I saw two plays yesterday, one at the, late in that Cowboys Chargers game where it was like Justin Herbert was about to get sacked, and they just called forward progress. And I don't remember seeing many forward progress sack plays in the past. Mm. And they did another one with uh, Russell Wilson rolls back into the end zone. They, they called that down on the one. It really should have been intentional grounding in the end zone. Um, I, I thought it was a bad look for the league office yesterday and not, not, I don't want to put it on the officials. I think it's more just these people who are creating these rules and making it harder for the officials to do their job. I mean, I would certainly agree. I think part of the problem is that, so many of these are based calls. Like, you know, you, you look to another sport that we talk about, uh, you and I both love, and we talk about a lot, you know, college basketball, the block and the charge. Like they tried to introduce the, the you know, the, the restrictive circle, the NBA's done the same thing, but I think you could show, you know, half a dozen plays and show to half a dozen referees and, you know, 25 fans and you'd get probably 50, 50. That's a block. That's a charge. Um, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I think in baseball where like, Sometimes you get the high strike. Sometimes you get the wide strike. Sometimes you get the low strike. Sometimes you have guys, umpires, who are very, very vigilant, and this is the strike zone, and it's just what it's supposed to be, and it, you know, it kind of fluctuates, and it's just really hard with judgment calls. I mean, you know, when something is offside in football, like if a guy's offside, you know he's offside, right? Um, you know, I, I think for the most part, pass interference is not terribly a judgment call. I mean, it can be open to some, but there are some that are, you know, this, this is what you did or a false start is not a judgment call. You either delay of game, not a judgment call. And you bring in so many of these judgment calls and even some of the best referees are going to have problems like deciding, you know, whether it's intentional grounding, whether there was forward progress kind of, you know, and you leave all stuff and I'm necessarily advocating for, you know, to bring all the robots in to take care of all these things um, and welcome our robot overlords. But <laughs> like, it's hard enough with, you know, the speed and the athleticism and everything that's going on. You mentioned the taunting penalties. That's another thing, like what I might think is taunting, you might not think is taunting and vice versa. So it's just, it's really hard. And, and it, you're right. It is a bad look. It's just so difficult when there are so many judgment calls that are, that are left open and, you know, something like that. Can, can you challenge forward progress? Um, I mean, that's kind of one of those things too, is that like the nice thing in baseball is that there is like, it's, it, there are a lot of judgment calls, but for the most part, you can go back to review, right? You can't review balls and strikes, but like you can slow it frame by frame and see whether the guy was out, whether the tag got applied, whether it was fair, if you see the chalk fly, this, that, what have you, but you know, th there's not, you can't challenge everything in football. And, and sometimes that becomes problematic because like, you know, it should have been intentional grounding and, and they didn't call it. And then it, it's a bad look. Well, thankfully, Tennessee still won the game and it didn't determine the outcome of the game. Uh, it would have been awful if <laughs> if it did that or it, the game ended in a tie. I think ties are lame. That's a conversation for another time. But uh, what were you, you going to say? <laughs> oh, no, we, We'll get to it in the college football segment. We had our first, I think, uh, third overtime of the year where uh, they were watching two point conversions. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll talk that plenty, uh, plenty later, but yeah, it's just like, uh, I, the problem with this thing, I just don't know who was clamoring that, you know, what would really improve the NFL, less trash talking, less celebrations. They went in this direction 15 years ago when Goodell came in and it was like, we're not going to have any no more touchdowns. 
Yeah, no fun league. No more touchdown celebrations. And I think what's so interesting is the NFL is the biggest league in the world. It's the biggest league. It sets the trends in a lot of ways in American sports and sports at large. What I find so interesting is we've seen a lot of changes in Major League Baseball where baseball's become a lot more, you know, you can you can toss your bat. You can you can do a little more. You can that stuff, the the uh, gamesmanship is becoming more accepted. And I think overall it's a net positive. For me, it doesn't really move the needle in either either direction. I love baseball. So whether they're, you know, gonna I think there are certain lines and places like there's some things that are acceptable, some things that are not acceptable, but in general, it seems to be working. The ratings have been going up over the last couple of years. The, I think, you know, I, I think it's been a good thing for the most part. And it seems like that's been a, a widely recognized kind of uh, view that most people see is like, okay, this stuff's good. Well, now the NFL goes in the opposite direction. I just don't know who is saying like, man, these players are being too mean to each other. Uh, we need to crack down on this stuff. Now, obviously, there are certain they use taunting has been a penalty that they've had implemented for a long time. And you would call taunting in cases where it was over the top. But when I just see a defensive lineman or a quarterback and they just say something to the other guy, I mean, that's that's part of the culture of football is the trash talk. I, I just don't really know what we're doing here. Who was calling for these changes? Yeah, I mean, the other thing I would say, I guess, is since we don't get microphones, you don't know what was said, and there certainly can be some things that are right. said that are over the top that should be uh, probably not said to you know large human beings who run fast. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, you mentioned baseball. I think that's so fun because you get to see the guy's personality, like you know, guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. and Tim Anderson, and guys like that. You know, they they become personalities and. The NFL tries to keep that, I think, from happening, um, and, and I don't know why that is. Whether it's to protect the shield, to you know, whatever. But because you can't do that, like you don't get the same kind of feeling, at least in game. I don't think that the, for the personalities, like you, you get press conference, and you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers are well known and, and things like that. But um, yeah, it's not the same kind of thing. I, it, I mean, I'm not saying that like guys should be able to throw, you know, catch a pass and then throw the ball into the stands or something. But they, it's sports are supposed to be fun, like they should be allowed to have fun and celebrate. Now, I don't like it when guys celebrate, like when defensive backs celebrate when they make a tackle after, you know, <laughs> guy picked up nine yards on first. I'm like, that's a little <laughs> bit absurd. But, like, time and place for everything. But, you know what, that, that sports is supposed to be fun. It's I mean, they're serious and they're getting paid, but they're supposed to have a good time. So let them have a good time. Yeah. So, okay, a couple other things I want to touch on from the NFL. My next point, another story. Uh, we saw some young quarterbacks struggle this weekend. At the very least, mm-hmm. I mean, Justin Fields, he looked, you know, he, I thought I saw a good amount of that game. I thought Andy Dalton looked a lot better than Justin Fields did in that game. Um, now, a terrible interception that nearly let the Bengals back into the game. Yeah. And I think, you know, some might argue that they need to open the playbook up more and, you know, whatever. But I, I truly think that the best option for the Bears right now is to keep Andy Dalton starting if he's healthy, if he's healthy. Um, and then even stronger opinion I have is and I said this in the preseason. I love Zach Wilson. He was one of my favorite players to watch last year. I still think he's going to have a fantastic NFL career. I don't think he should have started week one. 
And I don't think he should be starting right now. I think he should be sitting, learning. Um, I don't think this Jets team's very good. I know a lot of people look at like game reps as like the only way for a guy to get better. But when you put a guy out there, he's facing tough defenses. He doesn't have a whole lot of help around him. He's taking a beating in the pocket. I don't think that's the, in, in a lot of cases, that's not the best thing for their development. And the thing that I'm irked by is this is the culture we live in right now where everyone has to have a fast, immediate take, which, hey, I guess maybe we're doing that with some of these. Are, are we sure they're good? And I'm probably going to have some strong takes. But what I don't like is, so Zach Wilson throws four picks yesterday. And the dude is just getting, he's a punching bag on Twitter. He's a meme. People are saying he's a bust. And he's only played two games. Look at what Peyton Manning's first couple games looked like in the NFL. He threw more picks than Zach Wilson did over two games. Um, and I think that's one of the other reasons why I would protect a guy. Um, and it's all—it's always case by case. There are certain guys where I look at the situation and I say, put him out there week one. That's the best situation your team can win. But if your team can't win, the team's not good. You're in a market like Chicago or New York where people are going to have these really strong takes. I don't want Zach Wilson in after playing two games, having the whole world telling him he's a bust. I don't think that's good for him. So I think that that was one of my other takeaways from the weekend. You know, I'll agree and disagree. I mean, you mentioned Peyton Manning. I feel like there are some guys who learn better by getting those game reps. I think those are valuable. Um, you know, yeah, because not case everybody by case. was, uh, n- not every, not everybody was you know a three or four year starter in college, and like some guys absolutely need the reps. Uh, it is dangerous if you have a bad offensive line. The last thing you want is somebody to get killed. Uh, I mean, injured badly, and you know, either be out for the rest of the season or possibly a career ending injury. So you know, that's kind of one of those case by case basis things. I also think that you know, it's. I mean, teams I think feel pressure because it's a big investment. You know, Zach Wilson's making. I don't know, like $80 million or something like that for being the, the number two pick in the draft. And, you know, you fans are going to start to get antsy if you've got this high investment guy who's just sitting on the bench. And, you know, it, sometimes it works out like it worked out great for Aaron Rodgers, right? He got to learn under Brett Favre and, and do all that. So if you have a good situation, I think part of the problem, the Jets, and I think Jacksonville to, uh, you know, to a lesser extent uh, as well with Trevor Lawrence is that there's not, a good guy to learn under like the, the Rogers situation. Yeah. Perfect. He learned under Favre, Then he took over, you know, I, I think that was the same. Yeah, Mahomes learned Peyton. behind Alex Smith, another right, really good career. Right. And, and I think that that was kind of the situation. Um, you know, I think Lamar, I can't remember who was quarterback Flacco. The, the Ravens, but Flacco. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, they're, you know, if you have the right situation, the person the Jaguars have, they don't have that right now. Like, I mean, maybe if Sam Darnold had stayed, but he'd been the New York punching bag for so long that he had to get out of New York, and he's having some success in Carolina. But there isn't anybody to learn under, and there's a lot of pressure, I think, on the front office to throw those guys in there and and start to see some come back on their investment and from the fan base. And uh, those guys right now, not in the best of situations, and they're just they're going to learn through their lumps, I guess. Um, You know, it's unfortunate. I also know that. You know, the neighbor fandom is that Zach Wilson may be a punching bag now, but if he throws four touchdowns next week, he'll be the savior in New York. So, uh, you know, <laughs> people have short fans have short memories, uh, both for good and bad reasons. Um, you just don't want anybody to get hurt. 
Um, and, and that's the kind of thing, that's the one thing I'd really be leery of is if you're putting a guy in a situation where the offensive line's not blocking and it's going to be dangerous, that's you know something you need to take in strong consideration. Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow last year, and Joe Burrow looks he looked good yesterday at times. <laughs> but, I mean, for the most part, he's looked really good since coming to the league. Last year, uh, torn ACL, torn MCL from standing behind a bad offensive line. And I just think you got to look at the big picture. What's best for this guy? Because, like you said, $80 million investment. This is the future of the team. Well, the team's not good right now. So does it matter? I mean, all it's got to come down to is what is best for the guy's development. And honestly, I think for Justin Fields, I think the best thing right now is to sit behind Dalton. I think that's uh, I think it's a better situation for him. Um, but yeah. And then I think the other thing though, is like, and I know I shouldn't be like even commenting on this because it's just taking people on Twitter too seriously, but like pump the brakes on saying someone's the greatest player ever, or they're a bust after they've only played two games. Like, come on now. <laughs> Except Matt Stafford. He's now the greatest quarterback in the history of the world, having led the Rams to a two and start. <laughs> Are you not feeling? Are you not feeling Matt Stafford anymore? He's not on the Lions. Oh no, I really like him. I hope. I hope the Rams like. I mean, the Lions aren't going anywhere this year. They're going to be bad. Part of the fan base is hoping the Rams are terrible because the Rams have uh, they traded the number one pick next year. So like they're hoping it's a, a, an yeah. early pick. Um, but no, I I would I would love to see the Rams have a great season. I would love to see Stafford win. He was a good guy in Detroit. He took his lumps. He was in a bad situation. He, you know, the, the last two years under Matt Patricia were not great. And, you know, at least never outwardly never complained, um, showed up, did his business and was a good guy. And no, I wish him nothing but success. Uh, I meant that as a, as a sort of in jest take, but also after two <laughs> games, you know, two and oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the last time he started 2-0 as it may have to go back to his Georgia career. The last time he won his first two games of the season. So, yeah, no, uh, I wish nothing but the best for the guy. Las Vegas Raiders uh, 2-0 for the first time in back-to-back years. In I think this was like since the mid-80s. It's been a long time for the Raiders. Was it that long or is it was it more recently than that? I saw a stat on that. I, I, you know, I, I the year they won the I can't remember the year that when they were really good. Oh uh, two. Uh, yeah, that might have been. I I don't remember unfortunately the. Yeah. My knowledge, my memory of the NFL is not great. My, my team is not <laughs> wonderful, yeah. so I remember their futility and not much else. Well, I was watching that game and. Um, I really think John Gruden's a really good coach. I don't think he gets enough credit for in-game coaching decisions. I think he's, I really think he's a lot better than people give him credit for. He's certainly, you know, Derek Carr has had a resurgence under him and, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs didn't play. And, you know, I feel like the Steelers kind of knew that they, Las Vegas wasn't going to be able to run. And so they were going to make David or, Derek Carr, rather, uh, do it. <laughs> David <and> Carr. <laughs> he did, yeah, yeah, too many Carr brothers. And Talk uh, about a guy who – two yards, was, a couple of touchdowns. Talk about a, Andrew, talk about a guy, David Carr, who had to play behind a bad offensive line and maybe ruined his career. Yeah, yeah, that was 
you know, one of those guys that I think now gets mentioned as being a big bust and didn't work out well playing early for him. So, but yeah, Derek Carr looked great. Henry Ruggs, five receptions, 113 yards and a touchdown. And yeah, the Steelers are 2-0. and uh, No, Raiders 2-0, are. 2-0 against uh, the Raiders, sorry. The Raiders 2-0 against the AFC North and, and uh, you know, beat the two best in the AFC start at Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So they got to be feeling pretty good about where they are. All right, Andrew, anything else NFL? Uh, Derrick Henry is good. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. real good. Um, let's see, anybody? Sam Darnold's 2-0. Uh, you know, Tom Brady's still really good. Uh, Russell Wilson was pretty impressive. Um, First half, Russell Kyler Murray's was. really good. Yeah, yeah Kyler is really good. 400 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a shame the way that game ended with uh, Greg Joseph missing – 39-yard field goal, uh, Vikings fall to 0-2. But, yeah, no, I, I, you know, for the most part, I, I don't think there are a ton of surprises. Like, it's a little bit yeah. surprising that the 49ers are 2-0, and just kind of, you know, after how they were last year and still don't really know what to make of Jimmy Garoppolo. But, um, no, I don't think there are a ton of surprises other than, you know, the ones that we talked about, the Raiders being 2-0, a little surprising. Um I think I feel like for the most part, things are, are kind of where they are. Now, if uh, the Lions somehow go into Lambeau and beat the Packers tonight and Green Bay starts 0-2 against Detroit and New Orleans, uh, then we'll have something we didn't know. And uh, the uh, Packer fans we know may be going into panic mode, but um, <laughs> as much as I would like that to happen, I, uh, Aaron Rodgers feasts at home uh, against the Lions uh, on Monday night. So he will look good. People will stop worrying about Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I'll be right with the, the football world in Wisconsin come tomorrow. Yeah, Paul was very confident last week. So we'll see what he looks like tomorrow. I mean, as as he should be. I'm not I, I'm not <laughs> gonna sit here and tell you he shouldn't be confident. Like <laughs> Right. All right, let's go move over to college football. Before I do that, I wanted to show you this. I forgot to do this at the start of the show. I'm rocking a stay loco hat. Uh do you have any idea whose hat this is, who designs these hats? Mm, I don't. Jay Starrett. Jay oh, Starrett nice. from The Challenge and Survivor. Uh, he's got a uh, clothing uh, slash. Yeah, he, he designs these hats. They're cool. He's got nice. shirts, beanies, sweatshirts. Um, yeah, so I, I got one of these, and uh, it's a pretty cool hat. High quality. Um, if you guys want to check his stuff out, um, he was kind enough to come on this show, so I thought I'd give him a free plug. He's over at jstarrett.com or stayloco.co. Um, but nice. really like the set. So yeah, it looks good. Thanks. So um, you'll probably guys, I'll probably put this in the background here. You guys will see it uh, in the, on my bookshelf, but um, let's talk some college football. Uh, so I'm kind of, again, I don't have my note sheets, so I'm just scrolling through CBS scores and I'm probably going to forget some that we should talk about, but uh, here we go. Here's our college football wrap up for the week. Cincinnati Bearcat Cincinnati Bearcats go on the road as number eight team in the country. And they beat Indiana Hoosiers by two touchdowns in Bloomington, 38-24. Coastal Carolina with a close one in Buffalo, 28-25. Number 24, Miami. This is where we get into are we sure they're good? Miami, 24 team in the country. Uh 38-17 at home. Michigan State Spartans, uh, Michigan Wolverines, your Michigan Wolverines look fantastic. 
63 to 10 over NIU. Virginia Tech, another one that I was like, really, Virginia Tech's the 15th best team in the country. They lose to West Virginia, 27-21. Uh, Nebraska, man, Nebraska putting up a good fight against Oklahoma at home in Norman. And that game, uh, or sorry, at home for Oklahoma and Norman. Um, is it Norman? Did I get that right? Yep. Yeah, Norman. Good. Good. Okay. I was thinking maybe it was something. I don't know. All right. 23-16, Oklahoma survive in advance. Uh, Notre Dame, two touchdowns on Purdue. I think that was a game that people were circling there. Uh, 27-13, Notre Dame. Clemson only putting up 14 points against Georgia Tech. 14-8 at home. Clemson uh, survives a scare there. Alabama and Florida probably, I mean, that would probably be my pick for the game of the day. I freaking hate when extra points play a factor when there's a mixed extra point and that determines really the outcome of a game because had it not been for a missed extra point, we either would have gotten overtime or Alabama late drive to win. Um, but they win that game. There was a missed extra point and then Florida failed on the two point conversion 31 29 in the swamp. Ohio State survives against Tulsa and that game while Ohio State won 41-20 that was a much closer game if you're watching it they were only up 7 and Tulsa had a chance to tie it with a few minutes left um let's see what else we got here um some of the, I'm going to omit some of these blowout games uh Penn State with a win at home against Auburn 28-20 Arizona State uh, falls to this BYU team that I'm very excited to talk about today. 27-17 in Provo, Utah. Uh, Fresno State with a big win over UCLA on the road, 40-37. to So those are all the really the big top 25 games. I have to mention Duke beat my Northwestern Wildcats, 30-23. to Hunter Johnson got taken out of that game. Uh I'm losing some of my optimism for this Wildcats team, Andrew. Uh, what else did I forget to mention here? No, I think you hit. I think you hit on on most of it. Um, you know, are, are we sure they're good? Uh, the Clemson defense, yes, we are. The Clemson offense, <laughs> nah, like, and they struggled. I know. I know there were some weather issues. Uh, and things going on that game got delayed for quite a while. Uh, but man, they just like, they haven't looked in sync in two of the three games they played. And in the first game, be like, well, they were playing Georgia's defense. That makes sense. But Georgia tech, man, lost to Northern Illinois and what Clemson scored early and then couldn't do anything. And if it weren't for a late goal line stand might have, uh, you know, gone to overtime in that game. It was 14 to six. Tech was driving, tried to shovel pass on fourth and goal and, and Clemson stopped it and then ended up being a safety, but man, oh man. Um, you know, somebody I saw online pointed out somewhere that Clemson's defense uh, hasn't given up an offensive touchdown yet uh, in three games. And they're barely hanging on to their playoff spot. Like, cause that, that, that touchdown in the Georgia game was a pick six they shut out, I think it was South Carolina State last week, and then, uh, you know, Clemson kicked two field goals and got a safety. 
And so Georgia Tech ha- or Clemson hasn't allowed a defensive or defense hasn't given up a touchdown, and they look like they're nowhere close to being playoff ready. Now playoff three months away, but like, I mean, you know, North Carolina looked really good. Sam Howell bounced back against Virginia. He threw for a bunch of yards. They looked impressive. Like Miami doesn't look great. Florida State doesn't. So Clemson can probably ease through most of the ACC, but. I mean, would it, it would it surprise us if they stumbled again? I don't think so. You know, Louisville looked good. NC State's had some some decent play. So, uh, if Clemson loses another regular season game, I am not not at all going to be surprised by that. Yeah, I and I think this is like this is a great place to start with. Are we sure they're good? And I think one of the things that I think is really great so far about this season, we're only three weeks in, and I'm loving this season i'm i'm preferring this season over the last few seasons we've had thus far we'll see if that changes but you know college football college basketball it, it's not always this way but i think everyone enjoys when there's chaos and there's madness and you don't know you know anything can happen on any given saturday and going back to last year i remember you and i talked about this at the end of the season and we had some differing views, but for the most part, it was like, these are kind of like you have, you have this upper class and that's way ahead of the middle class in this sport or the upper middle class or whatever you want to call it. But I thought there were some signs late last year that that could change. There was a Ohio state had a couple of close games with Northwestern in Indiana. Um, Clemson didn't look good in the playoff at all. They only played ACC teams and then they were losing Trevor um, there were some other signs like big 12, zero and three against the Sun Belt. And look, I'm not saying that the sports entirely changing just because of what we've seen these past few weeks, but I think we're in store for a crazy fun season. Clemson and Ohio state have already lost. There are a number of other teams. Iowa state was a team that, um, most of us thought was going to be very, very good this year. And they already lost. And it's just like, this is what I think we want. I think we want to see some of these blue blood programs stumbling out of the gate. We're not really rooting against them. We're just rooting for some chaos. In the first few years that we had the college football playoff, it looked like this was the type of stuff that we'd be getting. We'd be getting in the first uh, the first year, it, it lined itself up well. Year two, we got Michigan State in there, almost Iowa. It was like some unlikely teams that you'd think about now the next year, Washington gets in. So the first few years, it looked like, okay, this is pretty cool. We're going to get some new teams in here. And since then, it's just been the same five or six teams staying at the top. But now you got uh, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, who almost who could have lost this week. I, I wouldn't say they almost lost, um, but that was a scare for them. All three of those teams have first-year quarterbacks, and I think that that is playing into our favor as college football fans. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on Bama. Um, I sort of feel like they got up 21-3 on the road in the first quarter and took their foot off the gas. Um, oh, no, Andrew, you know, I... Andrew, I think Alabama is head and shoulders but better than everybody else. I, I agree oh, with okay. you. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just wanted to, I mean, you, you can call it a scare. I, I, 
don't know. I think no, it it wasn't. It was a close game. game. If the game had been closer throughout, I feel like it wouldn't have come down to a last second Florida drive. Like if no, if Florida no, no, kept no. it close you're, earlier, I feel like it probably would have been a two touchdown game. But yeah, no, it's great. Um, like I mean, Ohio I just State I think my more, point uh, is Ohio State. Oh, go ahead. The the fact that they have a a new quarterback at changing of the guard at all three of those schools opens things up to be a little more interesting than they've been in the past. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I'm going to complain about something. I hope that's okay. I hate that the college <laughs> yeah. football polls are so reactionary. Um, oh, gosh. I got a lot of thoughts like, on AP25. Like, 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 I get Bama number one. Georgia has been number two. They have the probably the next best win. But, like, y- you know, you got to rank teams somewhere, I guess. And this maybe goes back to the point where people will say you shouldn't have a poll before, like, the 1st of October which is certainly worth considering because you get these wild swings, you know, um, like I like Kirk Ferentz. I don't think Iowa is the fifth best team in the country. Um, you know, they have two really good wins. Um, they didn't look like the fifth best team in the country on Saturday against Kent state. Now Kent state is not great. Um, you know, it's hard to get up for Kent state, but like, are they really the fifth best team in the country? You know, like, I, I guess we'll find out. Maybe they are like, but Penn State goes from being 10. They win a game home against Auburn, a game they should win, right? You should win a home game against even an SEC team, a game you should win. And that vaults them from 10 to 6 when teams in front of them didn't really lose. Like, Cincinnati goes on the road and wins at Indiana and stays at number 8. Yeah. Like, if that doesn't yeah. tell you that, you know, the, the fix is in, right, or whatever for – the the small schools, I mean, they have to keep jumping around, bouncing back and forth, and and all that stuff. And man, it just like they're so reactionary, and you get you got to put teams somewhere. And it's like Virginia Tech went from unranked. Well, they beat North Carolina. We thought North Carolina was really good week one, so we got to move them up to like sixteen. And just talk about them being the fifteenth best team in the country. And the polls are just kind of absurd. Like eventually, yeah. they will sort themselves out. And it's really good that there's a committee who kind of ranks these things and the, you know, it's fodder for us to talk about for two months until it it becomes important. But man, some of these polls are nuts. All right, let's run through the polls here. I think this is a good, uh, this is a good thing to touch on. So Alabama, Georgia, one, two, Oregon, three. Are we good with Oregon three? I'm, I'm fine with that. Big win at Ohio state. Winning, winning at Ohio state and like, Oklahoma, when we get to Oklahoma, are we sure they're good? I honestly have no idea. Like, Yes. I, 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 like, people, I mean, people around here are all excited because they're like, oh, Nebraska hung with Oklahoma, and like that proves they're turning the corner. But, like, I mean, you know, and maybe they got caught like Alabama did a couple weeks ago messing around and let Tulane back in that game. But, like, they didn't look impressive. And maybe that says more about Nebraska than it does about Oklahoma. I, I, I guess as time goes on, we'll figure it out. But. I don't know. You know, Oklahoma was supposed to be this like five star machine on offense. And, you know, they, they, they can't get going. They scored fewer points against Nebraska than Illinois did. And, you know, I, I know it's a different time. You get better as, as weeks go on, but like Illinois scored 30 points and Oklahoma scored 23. And like, that's that's got to be a gauge for something. So, I mean, Oklahoma might still be good, and you know, maybe Nebraska was just geared up. And I don't know if the Oklahoma kids were like, we just figure, well, this team lost to Illinois, we can show up and and beat the, you know, beat the snot out of them or what. But like, I don't know if Oklahoma's that good. 
I would say I had the same thought process. I mean, you had now two games where they did not look super impressive in games that they should look impressive in. At the very least, they're games that they should look good in. We're not sure they're good. We don't know how good they are. Um, I don't think Oklahoma at this time is the fourth best team in the country. I, I guess I don't no, know who, no. who would I put in there. I actually might be a little higher on having Iowa this high because of their uh, quality in terms of, yeah, the, the Kent State game is a trap game, but and they have such a fantastic defense. Their offense isn't isn't something to write home about, I guess. So I don't know if you want to go Penn State or Iowa. I, I, I don't know who would be number four at this time. I'd Cincinnati certainly be in the conversation, but let's just rank two teams and stop. Let's just rank Alabama and Georgia and then everybody else would be tied for third. <laughs> that would save so many of these headaches. So many of these headaches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, A&M number seven team in the country and they were down in Boulder uh, last week and Colorado loses 30 to nothing against Minnesota this past week. I mean, Minnesota without their star running back. Yeah. Are we sure that A&M is the seventh best team in the country? No. No, we certainly aren't. You know who's probably the second best team in the SEC West? Florida. Oh, no, are they in the East? Sorry. They're in the East. Arkansas. Arkansas. That's probably Mississippi. Yeah. Lane Giffen, Matt Corral, seven touchdowns. They rolled Tulane. Now, if we're going to talk about points of comparison between Oklahoma and Mississippi, you know, 61-21 versus 40-35 or whatever it was. But, you know, that October 2nd game where Alabama's got to go to Mississippi, that's that could very well decide the SEC West, which is not something anybody would have thought of. They're talking about, you know, Alabama A&M or, you know, maybe the Iron Bowl if Auburn and Bo Nix gets it figured out or, you know, maybe LSU has a resurgence, but, I mean, I don't know if you can take a team from unranked and put them in the top five, but I think Mississippi probably deserves to be in the top ten. They've looked as good as anybody has. Now, the, the competition has been great, but, I mean, part of it is is you know showing up and looking good against teams you're vastly superior to. And we've talked about teams like Oklahoma. They didn't do that. Ohio State didn't do that against Tulsa. Um you know, we can kind of go down the list of teams that you know you should beat by multiple touchdowns and or and haven't. And so yeah. So yeah. Yeah, are I mean, we sure Oregon Ohio State? Is Oregon? I, I have no idea. Uh and like they have the talent, but like they looked you know, CJ Stroud threw for four hundred and some yards against Oregon. The offense looked good, and the offense just looked lost for times against Tulsa. And as we're you know going to start playing points of comparison, Tulsa lost to UC Davis to start the year. UC Davis is a good FCS team, but they lost to UC Davis. And they were in a one-touchdown game in the horseshoe in the fourth quarter. We're driving for a chance to try and tie the game. So I, I, have, I have no idea. Ohio State still looks lost on defense. Um, Ohio State you know, could they, be 0-3 right now. Like all three, the two games they won, they really could have lost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they, you know, and they've got they've got the talent to figure it out, and like the schedule sets up okay for them. Now they play Akron this weekend, then they're at Rutgers, which could be a sneaky game. I mean, Greg Schiano's team is three and zero. You know, we'll probably learn more about Michigan this weekend when they welcome Rutgers to the big house, but then they, you know, they get Maryland at home. 
but then that you know then they kind of finish with with Indiana, Penn State, at Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan to kind of close out the year. So Ohio State has some time to figure it out, but man, oh man, they are you know they're they're still in the top ten somehow. Um, I think right. Is it, yeah, they're is number ten. The they're, they're number ten, and like I don't know. I, I I feel like we could pretty easily come up with a list of fifteen teams who've looked more impressive than they have thus far. Oh yeah, and that's not my think- that's not my general Michigan bias. This is like trying to be an impartial observer that Ohio yeah. State just hasn't looked apart. Well, Michigan's three and zero. They're number nineteen, and they're behind number eighteen, Wisconsin, who's one and one. Like I w- I think Michigan and Michigan State have looked better than Wisconsin this year. Wisconsin's only played two games. I mean, I know they got a, prom- a part of it. I also think is like you got to. You got Notre Dame and Wisconsin this week, and you want that to be a highly rated game, so you want them both to be top 20 teams. But I'm not saying Wisconsin isn't a top 25 team. I just think they're like number 24 or 25 in the country. I don't think they're 18. In fact, well, also – I mean, they're, they're – I was just going to say they're another one. We don't know if they're any good. Like, yeah. like Penn State, they lost 16 to 10, and like then they, they beat Eastern Michigan. Um, you know, like we might know more about that uh, come Saturday. Um, but you know, if they beat a, if they beat Notre Dame, they'll move up in the polls. We also don't Do know how good Notre Dame is. That's right. I mean, they they barely they barely beat Florida State. Uh, barely beat Toledo. Toledo, who by the way turned around and got pummeled. Uh, Wyoming, Colorado, Wyoming. They went out to Wyoming and got pummeled by Wyoming. Um, I think it was. Now, as I'm saying that with a fair amount of certainty, let me pull it up here and make sure that that's, uh, oh no, Colorado state. They lost to Colorado state, which was, oof. Colorado state did yeah. not look good. It was ball, ball state played Wyoming, but so like, I don't know. And you know, it was a four point game against Purdue going into the fourth quarter. David Bell got hurt. I mean, credit to Brian Kelly's team. They just keep finding ways to win and like, it, and finding ways to win is better than the alternative, but I don't know. I have no idea if they're good, which leads me to believe that we're still not going to have any idea after next week if the winner of Wisconsin Ohio no, of Wisconsin North uh, Notre Dame is any good. Like yeah. they'll have one more win, which is better than having a loss. But like I don't know. Do you all of a sudden, if you're Wisconsin and you beat Notre Dame that barely beat Toledo and barely beat Florida State, like do you put that on the wall and be like, yes, this proves we're a good team. And conversely, if you're Notre Dame and you're like, well, now we beat a Wisconsin team that's now one and two and scored ten points against Penn State and didn't look that great against Eastern, like, are we convinced they're a good team? So, like I like, like I said at the beginning, I feel like I feel good about Alabama. I feel pretty good about Georgia, and then after that, man, you could start pulling names. I guess Oregon. I feel pretty good about Oregon at number three, yeah. and then you start pulling teams out of a hat, and I don't know how good <laughs> anybody is anymore. Which is which well, is fun. You you goes it goes back to the chaos you were talking about, like. And I don't know if it comes back from you know, teams just playing regular conference games last year and last year being so different and like us not having kind of a grab of where everybody is or or if we're just, you know, the, the or if we're, things have just been thrown into a flux for a variety of reasons. But like, I don't know. I, you know, you look at the top, once you get past like four or five, I have no idea in the rankings. I have no idea if any of those teams are good. Like, like Michigan and Michigan State yeah. could conceivably be undefeated. Both of them could be undefeated when they play on the Saturday before Halloween in East Lansing. 
Like if Michigan goes into Madison in a couple of weeks and wins and doesn't stub their toe any of the rest of the ways, they'll be seven and zero. Michigan State could also be seven and zero. And you may look at it and go, we honestly have no idea whether either like think they might be, but like you know, Michigan beats Wisconsin, Northwestern, Rutgers, like. I, I don't know. Like we're running out of points of comparison, but I have no idea if any of these teams are any good. I want to think they are, but like I don't know. I think one thing that I do think is they got right. BYU is a top fifteen team in the country, and BYU now with three impressive victories uh, beat Utah last week, beat Arizona State this past week. Um, both those games at home. I've been really impressed with uh, Jaron Hall, I believe is the quarterback's name. And he is the successor to Zach Wilson. There was a a large, a lot of people thought this team was going to take a significant step back from where it was a year ago. Tougher schedule. You lose the number, the guy who ends up being the number two pick in the draft. Jaron Hall doesn't have the same kind of arm talent that Zach Wilson has, but he's great on his legs one of the best plays from the weekend he threw an interception and uh algier the running back chases down peanut punch the ball loose 70 yards down the field this uh this arizona state linebacker defensive lineman is just chugging down the sideline and algier comes up does not see him peanut punch knocks that ball out hall is running down the whole way dives on that ball quarterback hustling uh, great hustle play. Love the fight of the BYU Cougars. Glad they're now the 15 team in the country. Also, I feel like if they beat USC in the last game of the regular season, regardless of what happens the rest of the way uh, going on there, they should represent the Pac-12 South in the Pac-12 title game because they're now 3-0 against Pac-12 South. <laughs> uh, they don't play UCLA and they don't play Colorado, but if you go 4-0 against teams in the Pac-12 South, They've swept the Arizona schools uh, and beat Utah, as you mentioned, in the the Holy War. If they beat USC the last game of the regular season, uh, I think they should represent the Pac-12 South in the Pac-12 championship. (laughs) I would love that. That'd be great, especially before they go to the Big 12. And by the way, we got all four of those teams that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, Houston, they're all going to the Pac-12. It's a done deal. Yep. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be good. Um, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens. You know, down the line, what further kind of changes, realignment happens, and and what the American decides to do if they can kind of keep their because now we got a bunch of teams that aren't great football brands anymore, and kind of what do they do? Um, you know, going beyond there. Uh, but yeah, good for you know, good for BYU, good for UCF. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they decide to to arrange divisions, if they do divisions, how they do things like that. Um, and if Oklahoma and Texas end up having to play these teams, I I would send, you know, I if, if they have been on schedule for a year and I was a schedule maker, I would send Oklahoma and Texas to Provo and Cincinnati and uh, Orlando. Um, yeah. Make them play, just make them play those games on the road. Um, <laughs> you know, as as we're going to be kind of petty about all of this. So we'll see. But yeah, that was good for them. Um, you know, part of it was, as we look at results, um, and, you know, Cincinnati kind of slept walk through the, their first two quarters against Indiana. Um, 
they, they got those because they're down 14 nothing. Um, you know, the Hoosiers looked they, like they were kind of in control. Uh, Cincinnati got a big turnover at the end of the second quarter to kind of reel things in. And that kickoff return they had in the third quarter was kind of the point where I was like, all right, they're going to win this game. Even though Indiana took the lead later, it felt like that was really where uh, Cincinnati kind of took control. Um, but I'm kind of angling around, I feel like, because we mentioned USC briefly. And I honestly think that, yeah. um, you know, that firing Clay Helton. I felt like teams, players, coaches, you know, kind of looked distracted. Like Luke Fickle, one of the names that had been mentioned, and, you know, he can go about trying to do his business. But I feel like, you know, the players, when they're constantly getting asked, you know, is your coach going to take the USC job? Like that weighs on you. Um, you know, and so, you know, I understand why USC did what they did. It's just kind of unfair to the players at every other school who's kind of being considered because now they got to, you know, wonder where the coach is going. Um, I think Penn State looked a little bit distracted. I think that I don't think it should have been as close. No offense to you know any of your Auburn fan listeners. Um, <laughs> I'm not sold on Auburn. Um, and winning at a whiteout in Happy Valley is when you're the road team is virtually impossible uh, unless you're Ohio State. Um, and and they just looked distracted. I was trying to think of some of the other names that had kind of been mentioned um, with the USC job, perhaps. But it was just like, and eventually both those teams kind of shook off the doldrums. But you know, I feel like it's going to be hanging over those programs for a while, and it doesn't matter whether coaches come out and be like, say, you know, I'm just here to coach. Uh, you know, I'm here to coach Penn State. I'm here to coach Cincinnati. I'm not going to answer questions about this. Like it's things that's on people's mind. Um, and it will be interesting to see whether that turns out to be a distraction later on, because I feel like it can't help but be a distraction, at least for the players. Were you pretty surprised when they announced that decision to fire him on Monday? Uh, the t- timing surprised me, um, although the way they, they looked against Stanford, you know, you, you can't. It, it would be hard to justify bringing that back. But I mean, I don't know if his buyout changed after, you know, once the season started. I don't know why they brought him back. Like if you're going to make a change, just do it in the off season. Yeah. And, you know, I know we talked last year about, you know, COVID year and, and weird year and maybe, uh, you know, everybody should get kind of a free pass. But if you seem bound and determined, and I feel like if you fire your coach after two games, you were pretty bound and determined to get rid of him. Just make the change in the off season. Like, yeah. You're wasting everybody's time. Yeah. And now like guys are scrambling, like you got to try and keep the recruiting class together. You know, it's a big distraction for everybody else. Like, Credit to them. They looked really good, you know, in the last three quarters against Washington State. I know they're not ranked, and I don't know if that was a game that popped up on your radar, but it was closed out in Pullman after the end of the first quarter, and then SC just kind of put the hammer down. But, you know, now it's now it's going to be a distraction for a lot of teams and a lot of players going forward. Um, and I certainly, from the USC side, understand why they did what they did. I just feel badly for, you know, all the, the players that it's going to impact because – you know, it's not their fault that USC decided to fire their coach after the second week of the year. But if you know, Luke Fickle is distracted or they're distracted because of that and they turn out to not beat Notre Dame in a couple of weeks because of the distractions or whatever, and that ultimately costs them a playoff shot, like that's that sucks for them. And is Yeah. Speaking of a team that wears the same colors as USC, Iowa State is 14 in the country. Are we sure oh, Iowa State's 14 in the country? Nah, man, I don't know. Um, I know you're out on them. Right? You, were, yeah. you were talking in our college football fantasy <laughs> chat about how you're, you're out on them. Um, <laughs> I was trying to be but, uh, um, dramatic for uh, to add a little bit of humor to it. But, yeah, I, that team okay. really did disappoint me. 
I mean, UNLV is bad. Like they, there's no two ways about it. They're UNLV is bad, um, and Iowa State did what they should in absolutely thwomping them. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they struggled against. They came back. They had all these, you know, preseason projections. They brought twenty of possible twenty-two starters back, and you know, they got Charlie Kolar as the tight end, Brees Hall and running back, Brock Purdy, the offense looked like they were ready to go. Matt Campbell was a hot commodity, and you know they they looked mediocre against Northern Iowa, um, which you know you could kind of shrug off as well. You know what they're they're. You know, they're, they're holding it in. They don't want to let too much out for Iowa, the rivalry game. And, you know, the, the turnovers against Iowa kind of killed them. The the fumble that got returned for a touchdown or and another interception and just haven't looked great. And then they, they did with their – but I don't know. And, like, here's the thing. Their schedule is backloaded. So, like, the, the Baylor, Kansas, Kansas State without its starting quarterback, like, Oklahoma State had a good win at Boise on Saturday, so Oklahoma State is is three and zero, and that could be a tough challenge. But then at West Virginia, but then they finish Texas at Texas Tech at Oklahoma and TCU at home. So like, I don't know, but they it, they'll probably be you know the the way the polls fluctuate is that you know somebody loses, got to move up. They started highly ranked, so they didn't fall too far, and I felt like the polls didn't want to punish them too much for how they played against Iowa, but I don't know if they're the 14th best team in the country, but they'll probably be top 10 when they go to West Virginia, just because like, I don't see any particular challenges. Maybe that Oklahoma state game um, on October 23rd, but before then they should roll through Baylor. They should roll through Kansas. They should roll through Kansas state. So they'll be five and they'll be five and one entering the back half of their schedule and probably ranked in the top 10 because, because you got to have somebody ranked number 10. And once things kind of get going, it's, you know, team wins. It's easy to be reactionary early. Um, but, you know, when we get to the middle of October, you're not going to see a team, even if they pull a big upset, go from 24 to 5. Um, you know, you just can't jump over that many teams. Now, the playoff rankings, when those come out, they may look vastly different than what the polls look like. But uh, if I had to lay a guess, my guess would be that Iowa State is – that they'd be six and one and ranked in the top 10 when they go to Morgantown on the Saturday before um, Halloween. Yeah. If, if we're in yeah. for, if we're in for putting takes and predictions out there, you know, somebody yeah. can hold <laughs> accountable to this one, but uh, that's my guess is Iowa state six and one and ranked in the top 10 when they go to West Virginia and we'll not, and we'll still be asking, are they any good? Because they won't have beaten anyone of substance. The only really good team, Unless Oklahoma State turns out to be for real, the only good team they will have played would have been Iowa, and they would have lost to Iowa pretty handily. I've got a scorching hot take. Uh, so let's we'll lead into that. I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on this Michigan team? You feeling pretty good about them? I mean, they're three and zero. They've looked like the better team in all three games significantly, and they're now nineteen in the country. I'm. I'm feeling much more positive about them. I I don't know whether I'm fully ready to buy in yet because, you know, you you don't know how good, even though Western Michigan went and and beat Pitt uh, on Saturday and Northern Illinois had previously beaten Georgia Tech. You know, again, we've, we've spent the past, you know, 25, 30 minutes talking about this. No idea how good these teams are, but 
it's a vast difference from the last few years where Michigan has just taken a team it should beat handily and beaten them handily. Like they scored touchdowns on their first nine possessions Saturday. Um, you know, and, and Northern Illinois had Rocky Lombardi, a transfer from Michigan State, who really made the Michigan defense look bad a year ago. Yeah. Um, in Ann Arbor after they'd beaten Minnesota week one, then in week two, you know, they were riding high, feeling pretty good. And Michigan State just took it to them. So, you know, there was like, People were a little bit concerned. I think it, it is Northern Illinois, you know, going to represent a challenge. If they went into Atlanta, they beat Georgia Tech. Um, so, you know, the way they've just been the ball, Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, um, you know, the offensive line's been moving holes. Cade McNamara hasn't had to do a lot, uh, hasn't been asked to do a lot. And I know after the Washington game, there were some in the fan base who were a little bit concerned that they'd only pass for 44 yards. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I still think they might be the third best team in the, in the East, I, I don't know about Penn State, Wisconsin, or Ohio State has so much talent, they'll probably get it figured out. I have gone from thinking that they were probably a 7-5 and five team to where I feel like this, the floor is kind of 8-4, and 9-3. Um, like I said, there's a very real possibility that Michigan and Michigan State are undefeated on um, you know October 30th, and that would make for an incredible atmosphere. That hasn't happened with those two teams being both undefeated playing so late in the season since I think 97. Um, so, you know, which I guess would be a good omen for Michigan probably because that's the last year they won the national title. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, they, they look good. The defense, Mike McDonald coming from the Ravens, um, you know, cause their defense was kind of the reason that they lost a bunch of games last year and th- they've looked good so far. Um, Rutgers will be from a one Harbaugh think, brother right? to the next. I know they just, I know, right. Helped them out. And, uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, Rutgers will be a challenge this Saturday. I think Greg shiano has got a good team. Um, you know, I don't know if they're a really good team or if they're just a good team who's, but they look pretty good against Delaware, granted an FCS team, but, um, a good FCS team and they, they kind of took it to them. So, um, I'm feeling good, cautious, cautiously optimistic. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll ask me again in a couple of weeks after uh, they go to Madison. If they, if they go to Madison and keep doing what they've been doing, then uh, I'll, be, I'll be driving the hype train if, if, you, <laughs> well, if, our, if our buddy Jack doesn't beat me to it. <laughs> well, yeah, Jack Lindblad. Um, he's, he's, pretty hot. he's pretty pumped up right now, I must say. He's very excited. I got to say, though, um, and by the way, yeah, we'll probably do another one of these in a few weeks at this rate. It seems like we talk every two, three weeks on here at this point. So grateful to have you here uh, as much yeah. as you've been on this year. It's been great. Very valuable to the program. All right. Thank you. My bold prediction here. And I think there's a difference between a bold prediction and a hot take. Um, I like to do bold predictions to kind of put it out there, see what sticks. They're fun. They're interesting. Um, there's a difference between saying, you know what? I think this wild thing is unlikely to happen, but I'm going to say that it happens, or I'm going to say that I think it, there's a good chance that it happens. Um, and I got one, I did it for my baseball for baseball season. I'm probably half and half on those, by the way. Like I picked the Rays to win the AL East. People thought I was crazy on that. I said, LaRusso would win AL manager of the year, which is possible. I don't know if it will happen. There's, that's a crowded field. Um, I was wrong on really comparing Davies and Darvish because they both have been bad. Uh, I, 
I, my Javi Baez prediction was correct, I believe, on where he'd end up with his OBP. Um, and they also said that Chris Bryant would be the World Series MVP as a member of the Atlanta Braves. He still could be World Series MVP, but it won't be happening as a member of the Braves. It won't be with Atlanta. No. no. All right. Here's my college football bold prediction that I'm putting out there September 20th, 2021. On November 27th, 2021, Ohio State, Michigan Wolverines are going to meet in the big house. And I think this is the year that Jim Harbaugh beats the Buckeyes. I mean, they're... I want to get all on board with that. Um, <laughs> there's there's a saying, I know you don't... I know you've started following uh, soccer a little bit more since, uh, you know, Paramount Plus and... Uh, yeah, unfortunately, CBS, I access. really... Yeah, I was... I was planning to i just haven't really done it so i had it's but there, it's been like i i respect soccer i just don't watch it much there's there's a saying in, in soccer and it, it pertains to other sports but it feels like predominantly in soccer it's the hope that kills you and uh <laughs> yeah. so like i'm not quite ready to do that yet i will get there um yeah but well, you're a fan I mean, i'm not it, a fan right that's true you can you can you can look at it with a with a clear perspective um, but certainly it seems like, and again, you know, long time away teams have figured it out, but Ohio state certainly, they just haven't looked good. And like at, at some point, if they continue to not look good, you have to start to wonder if we're going to start asking questions about Ryan day. And is it, was he, you know, you, you've seen, you know, there've been instances where, you know, new coaches come in and, and the previous regime recruited at a high level and had a lot of talented athletes and just kind of carried it over for a little while. And then eventually when things transitioned over completely, there was a drop off. Now I'm not saying that that's happening in Columbus, but if, if they continue to struggle and, and they made a change on Saturday, they went from their defensive coordinator calling plays to, uh, Kerry Combs was stopped calling plays, and I can't remember the name of the, the secondary coach off the top of my head. He was calling the plays on Saturday. That didn't seem to have helped much. Um, if they continue to struggle, I think that is, you know, people are going to start to ask whether, you know, Day was just kind of riding Urban Meyer and the coattails and what he built. Um, you know, and, and there's a chance that he, he turns it around and Ohio State looks like the Ohio State we've become accustomed to watching basically since the playoff era. Um, but yeah, right now there are questions in Columbus and I don't know. I mean, CJ, you know, like offensively, they look good, you know, 300 yard receivers against Oregon a couple weeks ago. And, um, but they just defensively, they look lost and, you know, you can't win in the big 10 without playing defense. Like no matter how high powered your offense is, eventually you're going to lose a shootout if you can't stop anybody. Um, and like, they just, they just haven't looked good defensively. And if they don't, somebody's going to get them. It, it may be in Ann Arbor. It may be when Michigan state comes, it may be when it comes, um, you know, it, it, um, you know, they may get gotten by, uh, Talia Tagovailoa, uh, when they play Maryland, I don't know who it's going to be, but if they keep looking lost on defense, somebody's going to get them. And, you know, obviously as, as, as a fan of the team, I hope it happens in Ann Arbor, like you've predicted, but like, you know, 
I mean, it could happen on on Halloween Eve at Penn State. I mean, I I I just am so confused as to why they've looked so bad. And I know the secondary kind of struggled last year and, you know, last year they could kind of paper over it um, and, the, and the front seven, but they just, it looks like a different team. And I, I obviously don't follow the program closely enough to be able to offer a good explanation, but <laughs> they, they, you know, I mean, if you're, if you started ranking just based on performance teams in the big 10 East, probably put them fourth right now, maybe lower than that. I mean, I assume in some order you'd have Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan before them, right? One hundred percent. I mean, based on where they've won their games, you might put Michigan State first. Just you know, go into Miami, winning at Northwestern. You know, what do those opponents mean? I don't know, but we, we'll figure that out later. But based just on what they've produced, you know, fourth probably. I mean, I, I think you put them in front of Maryland, but maybe you put Maryland in front. I, I, I don't know. They just they got time to get right, but they do not. There is something amiss in Columbus right now. Yeah, and I think that going back to your initial point about Ryan Day. So, would you agree? I this is just shooting from the hip. Urban Meyer. I hadn't put too much thought into this, but Urban Meyer, second best coach in college football over the last twenty years. Behind Saban? Seems reasonable. I mean, off, second off or third, head, second. Off, yeah. You, you know, you, you stretch it, I guess it depends on, I mean, Pete Carroll didn't coach for, for that long. So yeah, I mean, probably between what the success he had in Florida and the, the success he had at Ohio State. I, so I mean, you're replacing. Be, he, he would certainly be in the top five for sure. You're replacing one of the somewhere in the second to fifth best coaches of this whole sport of the last 20 plus years. Ryan day could end up being a great head coach. He's not the second or third or fourth or fifth best coach in the sport over the last 20 years right now. So naturally there's going to, I just think there's going to have to be, I, I think that some form of regression. Um, I think we're starting to see it a little bit. I mean, it's not, it's not a drop off. It's not saying Ohio State's done or their program's over or, or they're going to turn into Miami or Nebraska or one of these schools. But something that I've noticed a lot of times in college sports is when you have someone like an Urban Meyer, or you could point out a bunch of examples in college basketball, you got a guy like that at an elite program. When you bring someone in, I mean, I guess maybe the best example of it not happening the no regression would be Juwan Howard replacing John Beeline but for the most part you typically see some type of growing pains and it, it can end up lasting a few years and then you write the ship and they get back to where they were um but like Paul was saying last week these things come in cycles like just because Ohio State has been so dominant in the Big Ten over the last four or five years doesn't mean that they're going to be for the next four or five years and that's where I was looking at with Harbaugh is like, you keep, you got to just keep going with Harbaugh in Michigan. And I just don't think Ohio state is going to remain as dominant as they've been over the last few years. In the next few years, they're still going to be really good. They're still going to be one of the best programs in college football. Um, but I, I, 
And I guess I shouldn't even say that I'm expecting them to regress. I'm just saying I'm not expecting them to maintain that same uh, level of success as to what they've had. So I think we're seeing a little bit of the growing pains where, you know, Ryan Day first year, he had all Urban's guys. Last year, they only played five regular season games. This year uh, and next year, we're going to see what Ohio State's made of. And they they have the talent. They should put it together. If you can't win with this team, I mean, and again, this does not mean I'm saying Ryan Day should be fired or anything like that. I'm just saying that it's hard to replace Urban Meyer. We saw Florida... There was a there was a significant drop off from best team in the country for three four years to really good SEC team. Yeah, no, and it's you know you look at you look at programs throughout like some of the blue bloods you talked about. I mean, Oklahoma went through cycles. Michigan's going through cycles. Alabama after Gene Stallings was really bad, and then they hired Nick Saban. You know, LSU has gone through cycles. Uh, USC has seemingly lost its way ever since Pete Carroll left. And it's like they, they get good. I mean, we, we joke every year, is Texas back? Things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so is it's, Miami yeah, back? It, it is go- USC back? Right, right. Is Notre Dame back? Like, um, you know, Florida State, when they had Jameis, is Florida State back? Uh, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, it will be... This is this is a for you know 10, 15 years down the road. But it will be interesting to see what happens at Alabama after Saban leaves. Because, you know, he, he's built the machine and, and can you keep going? Um, you know, you know, things like that. And you know, we may find out Ryan Day turns out to be a really good coach. Like we may look back a year or two from now at this conversation we're having right now and being like, I can't believe we talked about any of this. But <laughs> right. I mean, you know, right now, like I'm just looking at their numbers. Minnesota had 408 yards of off. Oregon had four, 505. Tulsa put up 501 yards of offense, including 428 through the air. Like, and I know maybe you had to throw late to try and, you know, after they're down two scores and, and, and this and that. But, like, teams are averaging 471 yards of offense against Ohio State. Like, that's, that just boggles my mind. Um, for as many talented players as they have back there. And that's what they got to fix. Like the offense isn't the problem. You know, the offense is averaging 538 yards a game. Like they just keep humming along. And, you know, in terms of running the offense, there hasn't been, I think, like, except maybe for the first half in Minnesota, like CJ Stroud's done fine. He, he's running the offense. He, he looks great. Um, you know, those great pass catchers that they have, all that stuff. But defensively, they, they have got to get right. And, you know, I think it's right. Like you and Paul were saying, like it's cyclical and this may be, you know, we may look at this season as kind of the inflection point of this is when they started to experience a little bit of a downturn. Now, do we, like you said, we would not expect them to go four and eight anytime soon, but <laughs> right. you know, if that opens the door all of a sudden to where you're not just going to start penciling Ohio state into the big 10 championship game in a year or two out of the East division, you know, I think that's probably good for the sport. And I don't say that as, you know, obviously I don't root for Ohio State being a Michigan guy, but like, you know, we like the chaos and seeing teams that we don't see all the time. So, you know, if you get a Penn State, a 
Michigan State, a uh, Michigan, uh, in Indiana, if they can, you know, kind of recoup some of that magic and get get it to where they're kind of rotating in and out, you get more representation. I mean, I think the ACC is kind of experiencing that now, you know, with Clemson. Like they would love to see someone else represent their division in the ACC title game. And, you know, there's been enough of it, I think, in the SEC with the SEC West because, you know, Bama will slip up occasionally. There will be enough times where LSU or somebody else ends up in that championship game. But it's been Ohio State, except for the one year it was Penn State when Ohio State still made the playoff. And so, yeah, so so we'll see. But it's it'll be interesting they and like i said you look at their schedule they may be able to paper over some things for a while um i don't want to look too far ahead we talked about that michigan michigan state game ohio state penn state is also on october 30th so uh october 30th could turn out to be a uh, a, a very important day in the big Ten East. yeah 100 percent. and with that we gotta wrap today's episode up um but i'm gonna i'm going say i'm i will say I think Michigan's um, this is the year for Michigan. It's it's going to happen eventually. This feels like it three weeks into the season. A lot of football to be played. We'll see what happens. But uh, you guys we, we can will, remember we that. <laughs> we will see. Okay, Andrew, uh, great having you here. This is a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll touch base sometime in October. Talk uh, plenty more college football. Only like seven seven weeks out from college basketball now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, the October practice date is not far away. Those, uh, you know, those first champions classic is early November. Um, so, you know, teams are start to reporting for, I mean, they've, they've obviously been on campus, they're going to class, but you know, practices will start soon. They'll be able to have full practices. The midnight madness, I don't think is a thing that really happens anymore, but maybe some of those schools do that where you, you can start practicing at midnight and you, you bring all the players together. So yeah, you know, the college basketball polls, they'll, the preseason polls will be coming out soon. They're all kind of trickling out and, and conference polls and, and all that stuff. Schedules are getting finalized. So yeah, there'll be, there'll be a lot to talk about. And, uh, it's it's always a good time to to be a fan and a uh, good time to listen to your show. You cover it all. I'll I'll be a good pitch man and kind of you know <laughs> mention it here at the end. You want to you want to talk baseball. You want to talk football. You want to talk basketball. You can hear it all here. Plus uh, all that good entertainment stuff. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to listening to your episode with Stephanie here later this week. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate that, Andrew. He's at a stem double zero like Greg Ostertag on Twitter. <laughs> Stem? Oh, what? Sorry. Oh, I just said I just said that he you are uh, at a stem double zero like Greg Ostertag on Twitter. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, the memories of those Kansas teams as we're talking about college <laughs> basketball. Yeah, yeah. So and the pride um, of the can, Utah Jazz. You guys can follow him there. Check out his work at the Omaha World Herald. Um, anything else, Andrew, before we say goodbye for now, oh, man, it was, it was fun. Uh, hopefully in a couple of weeks when we do this again, or whenever we chat again, if we have another segment about, are we sure they're good? We have a much better sense of <laughs> where some teams are, uh, because I, I don't know, man, I, I really don't like there's Alabama, there's Georgia. And then there's a whole lot of shruggy emojis, I, I guess <laughs> we'll figure it out though. You know that they'll settle it on the field, and we'll we'll finally get a chance to get a better sense of where everybody is. 
yeah, it should be a lot of fun. It was a fun segment. Uh, appreciate having you on. Guys, if you enjoyed today's episode of the show, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts. Log on to my site, jackvita.com. Get on my newsletter uh, whenever I have new content available. I'm going to probably do, I'll probably write something this week. Um, we'll be talking with Stephanie in a couple days later this week. Don't miss that episode. It's going to be a great one, an all-time classic, a highlight for me uh, for this year. And then we're going to have plenty more great guests, uh, some athletes, some entertainment, reality TV people later throughout this fall. Um, But for now, we got plenty to cover with football and baseball. So check back a week from now for my uh, football recap for week three of the NFL season, week four of college football. And my uh, baseball episode with Mario Lanza. Just two weeks left of the regular season. Uh, Should make for a lot of great content. And uh, yeah, I appreciate all you guys tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jack Vita Show. And until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobster.